For those, for those of you that uh, do not know me, my name is Seth Duke, um, and I'm the high school youth pastor here at Jefferson Baptist. Um, and I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you guys, um, as Pastor Mike and Pastor D are um, up playing at Odell Lake. Uh, not really, they're at a marriage retreat. They are they're teaching at the marriage retreat. So I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you guys. So um, what, we're gonna, what I'm going to share is, is, it's called the Great Commission. It's a, a passage in the, at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. And it's actually touched on in, in multiple of the Gospels, but we're going to take a look at uh, the one in Matthew. And it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were still doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Uh, let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I just I thank you so much for uh, just your word. Um, we thank you so much uh, for teaching us through your word and giving us your word. And, and we just pray that this morning you would open our ears, open our hearts to uh, to what you have to, to say to us, and I pray that you would um, that you would convict us, that you would encourage us, that you would um, motivate us, and 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 teach us this morning, Lord. And um, we just thank you so much for this opportunity. So as I as I was studying this and reading it, and this is the Great Commission, and so last week was Easter, and Jesus was he was beaten, he was tried, he was killed, crucified on the cross, then he was put in the tomb, and, and then he was, he was risen from the grave on Easter. And after he was risen from the dead, he, he proceeded to, to reveal himself to Mary. And then he proceeded to reveal himself and meet with um, his disciples and others that he had, had, had taught while he was on earth. And this, this great commission is his last time revealing himself to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And so as a basketball coach, um, I, I coach JV basketball team down here at Jefferson High School. And as a basketball coach, as I'm reading this, um, I, I think of, okay, as I prepare for a game as a coach, and all week long we're, as a team, we're running drills, we are, we're going over our offense, practicing our defense, we are we're game planning for the team that we're going to play, and we're preparing all week, and I'm teaching, and then come time, comes the time for the game, and we go warm up, and then we come back in the locker room, and I have about 10 minutes where I have my last little bit of opportunity to talk to the team, and it's this last little bit of opportunity I have to encourage them, to motivate them, to say any last words that I want them to remember that we've going, been going over all week. And so, so as a coach, I, 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 I see this as that opportunity for Jesus as he's, he's going to send into heaven and he's meeting one last time with his disciples that he's already spent years with and he's going to meet with them and, and encourage them and motivate them and teach them one last time before, before he, he is, he's taken away. Um, so let's, let's start with verse 16. I mean, it, it starts like this. 
But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. So right off the bat, they use this, there's this number used, um, the eleven disciples. If I remember right, there was twelve disciples. So what is going on with the eleven disciples? So Judas Iscariot had, um, as one of the disciples, he had, for 30 pieces of silver, he had betrayed Jesus. Um, and, and, and shortly after Jesus was, was crucified, Judas took his own life. And so we are down to 11 disciples. And so that number 11, if you, throughout the Bible, the number 12 is, is constantly used. Uh, you got the, the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then in, throughout the Bible, it's used over 180 times. And, and as I was studying, um, a lot of times it was number 12 was referred to as the perfect number. Or it was referred to as God's number because it's used so many times in, in, in Scripture. And so we have this number 11. You know, people have, it's considered a perfect number. Uh, 12 is considered the perfect number, but we have 11. Immediately, it, it reminds us that 11 is imperfect. 11 is not 12, which is perfect. That, that Jesus is choosing to, he, he's choosing to meet with his disciples, even though they're imperfect. That Jesus still chooses to meet with me. He still chooses to use me to work in my life, even though I am Imperfect. Uh, because I fail constantly. I screw up constantly. But God still chooses, even though we are imperfect, to, to meet with us. And also included in this 11 disciples is if, if, if we remember Peter. So as Jesus was being crucified, as he was being tried, Peter publicly denied Jesus Christ three times. He denied him, and, and, and one of the times he denied him so much that he was angry while he was denying them. And, and yet you still have Peter that's included in this 11. And that, that reminds us that, and tells us that even though we are imperfect, even though we screw up, the, the power of Jesus Christ and the, the restoration that he, he provides for us, the grace that he provides each and every one of us in our lives is absolutely incredible. He chooses to... to meet with Peter, include Peter in this, even though Peter publicly denied him. He restored Peter. He had grace with Peter. And so as we, as we pursue Christ in our own lives, God, even though we are imperfect, God still chooses to meet with us, um, and he restores us even though we screw up. So a little bit further is that it goes into and talk about the mountain which Jesus had designated. Um, again, the uh, mountain is a, is a symbol that's used very often in, in Scripture. Um, you have Moses. He, he, he met with God in the form of a burning bush on the top of a mountain. Uh, you, have, you have Abraham was um, called to go sacrifice his son on the top of a mountain. You have, again, Moses who, who, who got the Ten Commandments from God on the top of a mountain. And it's uh, time and time again throughout Scripture, the top of, the, of a mountain is, is a place where people meet with God. Um, it's a place of, of importance. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus chooses to, um, to give these last words, these, this last teaching, this last commission to his disciples on the top of a mountain. 
Um, how many of you have actually climbed a real mountain? Okay, I've had the privilege of climbing Mount Adams multiple times. Um, I've got to climb uh, the Middle Sister um, and some other smaller mountains. And, and number one, when you climb a mountain, it's not something you just wake up in the morning, oh, I think, yeah, I'll just go climb a mountain. Like, it's not this simple, easy task. It requires, um, it requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of discipline. I mean, I don't think Jesus, I don't think that the symbol of meeting God on top of a mountain is, is by mistake. It's something that takes uh, effort on our part. It takes us to um, um, some discipline to get there to the top of that mountain. And also on top of a mountain, as you stand there and you look out on the top of Mount Adams, you can see like 13 different other mountains. You can see all of this amazing creation that God has created. You can see the beauty. You can see the power in God's creation on the top of a mountain. And, and so the, this, this idea, this, this place that Jesus has chosen to meet with his disciples is, is, is not by accident. Verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. So as the disciples see him... There's these two different responses. Number one, they, they worship him. And that seems, that seems like the, the adequate response, especially from his disciples who have spent time with him. They have seen him do miracles. Uh, they watched him get crucified and killed, and he's risen from the grave. It just seems adequate in our, my mind that, that that's the first thing, that's the first response, that, that they worship God and they praise God for who he is and what he's done. Um, but yet you have, you have some of them that are doubtful, that are doubting. And as I, as I was reading through this, I found myself immediately jumping to, oh my gosh, seriously? You're doubting? After spending all that time with Jesus and seeing the things that he did, um, and you're still doubting? Like, come on, guys. And as, as, I, as I thought about that a little more, just realizing and understanding and being convicted about um, the amount that I doubt in my own life, the amount of times that, that, that I doubt the power of Jesus Christ um, and what he is capable of doing. And just a perfect example of that is the, the high school youth groups go on this missions trip and we're getting really close to having to purchase our tickets. And that is going to cost a lot of money. And as we've done a little bit of fundraising, a couple fundraisers didn't work out, and we are, we were short money. And so I immediately I started to go into this panic mode of, and stress of, okay, shoot, maybe some of these kids that aren't going to be able to go on the trip. Maybe we're not going to have enough money for everyone. Uh, I go into this, this panic mode of planning, of, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. I started doubting the power of God. I started doubting the power that Jesus Christ could provide um, some simple finances for this, this group to go to Mexico. But my first response, my fleshly, my sinful response is immediately to doubt. And so I imagine that this is, this is the same thing that some of these disciples struggled with, is that their, their sinful desire, their, their fleshly desire immediately went to this, this kind of this doubting, like, 
there's no way this is him. He was crucified three days ago. Um, and so, as I was judging them, as I was um, putting them in this, this, this place of why would they doubt, I, I just constantly find myself in that same place of, of doubting the power of Christ on a regular basis. And it's just due to this, this imperfection that we have and that we possess in our lives. And it was amazing, too, just after that experience, it was spending some time in prayer for the trip, and it was all of a sudden these, these oppor- opportunities just kind of came out of nowhere to raise some money. Um, and we had unexpected people give some money, and it was just... A couple weeks ago, I was doubting, and all of a sudden, God provides. And it just, it just never ceases to amaze us, the, the, the power of Jesus Christ and the things that he can do. Um, verse 18, And Jesus came up to them and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So not some authority, not most authority, but all authority. That means he has authority over government. He has authority over our parents, our teachers, our bosses. He has authority over everybody on earth and also in heaven. He has authority over the stars. He has authority over the angels. And, and in this culture... Saying that, saying that you are, have all of the authority in heaven on, and in earth. If you have a place of authority, people come to you. If you are a king or a ruler, you summon people to come to you. And so that this idea of Jesus saying, I have all of this authority. And just before that, he says, says Jesus came up to them. Jesus approached them. So this is counterculture to what, um, what happens in this time. Is, is Jesus is choosing in all of his authority to come and meet his disciples. Come and choose to meet the, his disciples even though they are doubting him. Even though that they are imperfect. And so as, as, as we read this, uh, just the, the example that Jesus is in in coming and meeting us in, in our imperfection. Uh, we, we can know and understand that, that even though we screw up, that Jesus still chooses to come and meet with us. He still chooses to come and, and, and interact with us and to, to, to be a part of our lives. Um, and just another example is just with the, being a youth pastor. Anytime I have, um, if I have a kid that's getting in trouble or I need to talk to one of my leaders or uh, I just need to communicate something to some of my kids, like the, one of the things, do I show up at their doorstep and knock on the door and say, hey, I need to talk to you? No, most of the time I send out a text message or a phone call and say, hey, can you show up in my office? Can you come down? Can you come meet me where I'm at? And so it's just, again, this, 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 this idea of when we're in authority, people tend to come to us. And so Jesus, later in this, in this, in this passage, he, he is explaining and teaching his disciples to go. And so I don't, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus is, is choosing to do this first before he is asking his disciples. 
He's meeting them. He's coming to them. He's meeting them before he asks them to go and meet others. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So right off the bat, that word go. Um, it immediately, we jump to, I've got to go to Africa. I've got to go to India. I need to go to uh, this, these other countries, and I need to go preach the gospel and, and make disciples. And that is true for some of us. Uh, there are a lot of people that are called by God to go to other countries and preach the gospel and the good news. But this word go is, does not necessarily mean packing up our bags and leaving. Um, as, as we leave here today, we are called, Jesus is commissioning us as disciples to go into our communities. He's telling us to go into our neighborhoods. He's, he's telling us to go to our jobs, to our families, uh, to our schools, and make disciples. We don't have to go very far to make disciples. We don't have to go very far to find people that don't know Christ. We don't have to go far to share the gospel. Um, and, and, and as one of his disciples, he is calling me, he is calling you, he is calling each and every one of us. He's calling us as a church to go and to make disciples. He doesn't say, hey, just stay here in the church, in the confines of the wall and make disciples. Okay, making disciples here is awesome, and we are called to do that. But we are also called to go one of the things that I, uh, jobs that I have outside of being a youth pastor is I work for Lynn County Juvenile Department, and I do a juvenile work crew I'm on Fridays and Saturdays. And it's been eight and a half years of me doing this. And in those eight and a half years, I've worked with three gentlemen the entire time. They were all hired before me, and the entire time I've been there, they've, I've worked right alongside of them. And all three of them are into hunting and fishing, and so I hit it off well with them. We actually have spent a lot of time with them outside of work. And, and as I was preparing this, as I was reading this, it kind of hit me and convicted me. In those eight and a half years, how many times have I shared the gospel with these guys? Not one time have I taken the time to share the gospel with these three co-workers. Not only are they co-workers, I would consider them friends. And God has called me to do this. He has called me as a disciple of him to go and make other disciples. He's called me to go and preach the gospel. And I've been working with these guys for eight and a half years, and I have not once done it. Um, it was just incredibly convicting that... that that this commission is called the Great Commission, that it's important to God, and yet, yet I'm not even practicing it in my own life. Um, I'm here as a youth pastor, and as, as people come into the youth group, I'm discipling. But I'm not, I am not going out into the world. I am not going out into the community and, and preaching the gospel and, and, and making disciples. Um, and even, even to... Another example of that is just the, my sister, my youngest sister, Sally. She's her, one of her, her oldest child is, his name is Duke. And she's been 
having these different conversations with him, and, and she was talking to him about the fact that not everybody knows, knows who God is. And they have these tenants, they live in Hawaii, and they, they live in a, the, a two-story house, and they rent out the top story to this family. And the, this family's been living in there for a year, and, and my sister Sally was saying she was convicted because they've lived there for a year, and she's gotten to know them really well, and she has not once shared the gospel with them. She's never asked them if they have a relationship with Christ. And so she was feeling convicted about this, and then, and then she's having this conversation with her six-year-old son um, about the fact that not everybody knows who God is. And he, he promptly interrupts her and says, hey, hold on. And th- that other family was outside playing, and he goes over the sliding door, and he opens the sliding door up and goes, hey, you guys know who God is? And they, and they, you know, they kind of laughed, and, and, and it's just this, hearing that story just was just, again, just convicting in my own life that, that I've worked with these guys for eight years, and I can't share the gospel with them, but yet my six-year-old nephew, uh, he can just walk up to some, <laughs> some people and just say, hey, do you know God? Like, God is calling me, he is calling us to share the gospel with those people in our lives Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the ages. So, so as we are called by God to go, uh, to, to preach the gospel, to share the good news, we are also called to teach. So as, as people come to know Christ, uh, and they put their faith and hope and trust in him, um, we are called to then teach them. And anybody in here that's done any form of teaching knows that teaching is not something that you just kind of do easily. Okay, teaching takes um, preparation, teaching takes energy, it takes time, it takes commitment. Um, just like being a basketball coach teaching, I don't just show up to practice and kind of teach whatever. I've got a, a practice plan, I've thought over it, and um, it, it's, it's not something that's just easily done. And so as we are called to go and make disciples, we're called to teach. We're called to take that time, that effort, that energy, and to teach others what God has been teaching us, what God is doing in our own lives, and how God has, has, has grown us. So as... as as we go through this, Jesus ends with this, this statement, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as I, as I work with these co-workers and, and I've failed to share the gospel with them, what, what, is, what are some of the reasons that I have not done that? And immediately as I, as I, I, was, I was thinking about that is fear. Fear of the way they might respond Fear of the way they might treat me after that. Fear of maybe affecting the relationship I have with them. Um, but immediately I go into this, this, this fear and this, this kind of this me mode. And, and that statement, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, Jesus knew what he was asking his disciples. The disciples knew what Jesus was asking of them. And they're... And, that culture, he's asking them to go and preach the gospel where they're most likely going to be persecuted. 
um, arrested, beaten, maybe even killed. And he is asking them to say, go and make more disciples. But then he ends with, I am with you always. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter who you're preaching the gospel to. I am with you. I am there with you. I am working in the hearts and the lives of those that you are, uh, that you are, that you are sharing the gospel with. And so just as we go, as I go to work this next week, as I interact with my coworkers, knowing that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is with me as I have the opportunities to share the gospel with these, these men, uh, knowing that and having that confidence is, is absolutely incredible. Uh, knowing that, that it's not up to me to save these guys. Um, that's, uh, it's not up to us to save people. It's us to be obedient to the calling of going and sharing. Um, and it's, it's absolutely reassuring to know that it's not up to me to save these guys. Because if that's the case, then these guys are doomed. Uh, we are imperfect. We are, um, we are uh, full of sin. And it's, it's Jesus Christ and it's the Holy Spirit that, that goes with us, that works in the lives of these individuals. And, and, and it's just absolutely reassuring. And it's, it's no accident that Jesus ends with that statement. Calls them to go, but then just says, hey, I am with you. It does not matter where you go, what you do, who you talk to. I am with you all of the time. So I want to I leave a challenge with you guys uh, this, this morning. Um, as Jesus taught throughout his life, uh, there was times where he sat on a mountainside and taught to, to hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Um, and some of those people put their faith and hope and trust in him. Um, and they, they, they believed that he was the Savior. He believed that, they believed that he was the King and that he would save them. And, and we have people today that do the same thing. That we have people that accept Christ as their Savior. And they put their faith and hope and trust in God but then we have people that go beyond that. Uh, Jesus had his disciples. What did his disciples do? They did not just believe. They gave up everything that they owned, and they, choose to, they chose to turn and follow Christ with their entire life. They, they became learners of Christ. They followed after him. They pursued him on a regular basis, and they spent a lot of time around Jesus. And, and if you're in the place of, of knowing Christ and, and going to spend eternity in heaven with Christ, um, that's, that's awesome. But I encourage you, I motivate you, I pray for you that you would move past that and you would move into becoming a disciple of Christ, somebody that pursues constantly after Christ. And if you're here this morning and you are a disciple of Christ, I challenge you to to not end with just pursuing Christ in your own life, but, but, but obeying this commission that we have to go and to teach, uh, to, to share the gospel with others, to, to not just share the gospel, but then teach them. Take time and effort and energy out of your own life and teach others to become disciples. Because that, that is what God is, has commissioned us to do. That's what Jesus is commissioning his disciples to do. And it's, and it's, it's called the Great Commission, um, it's, again, that's no accident. Uh, the, the, 
This is a great commission of Jesus Christ. This is an important thing. And we are called. This is the last encouragement, the last teaching that Jesus gives. I want you to go. I want you to teach. I want you to make disciples of all the nations, of everybody that is in your life. And we are called to make that as we go to our jobs, as we go to school, as we, as we, as we live our lives. We are called to have that as a main emphasis in our lives. That should be what we base going off of work, going to work off of. I should be going to work. Yes, I got to make some money and pay some bills, but my focus in going to work should be to share the gospel with those that I work with. The point of, of, of coaching basketball should not be because I love basketball and I just want to be around it. It should be because I want to make disciples. I want to share the gospel and I want to teach the love of Christ to others. I mean, that is what Christ is calling each and every one of us to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Um, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to gather and worship and, and praise your name, Lord. And um, I just thank you so much for this, this commission that you have given to each one of us and this reminder that we have of, of going and making disciples, Lord. And I just pray that you would go before each and every one of us and, and give us opportunities to share your word. Um, I pray that you'd give us opportunities to, um, to, to share the gospel and to love on people, Lord. And, and I just pray that you would just, um, as, as you go and you are with each and every one of us, Lord, that you would give us confidence and boldness to, to, to make disciples, Lord. And we just pray these, pray these things in your name. Amen.